We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Postgame Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Audio Mailbag Podcast, Week 12 edition, and our Bears are just coming off a fantastic victory over the Minnesota Vikings, and we're back the very next day. My co-host, my spectacular co-host, Brandon Hazel and I are ready to answer your questions, but before we do, Brandon, how are you doing on this Victory Monday? A pretty good Victory Monday, not going to lie. It was just, you know, I mean... Works kind of work, you know, you kind of do that kind of stuff, but in the back of your mind, it's like, it's Victory Monday, so it felt really good. Oh, no, for sure. You go to work, but you go to work knowing that the Bears are 7-3, and three, top of the NFC North, are doing their thing. It's it's a great feeling, honestly, and I'm glad they got that victory. It was a hard-fought victory, but now we have some questions that uh, a lot of fans submitted, and I'm glad that you guys did this because... Like we've said, we tweeted it out. We've said on other audio mailbag podcasts, every time we do one of these, the Bears win. So we're hoping that trend continues in this Week 12 edition. But, Brandon, you ready to get started? Let's do it, do it. All right, let's do it. And our first question comes from Ryan. Here's your question. Hey, Bears brothers. This is Ryan from South Carolina, a longtime listener, first-time caller. I have a two-part question for you, actually. I want to know, one, why is Tyquan Mazel smoke, whoever you want to call him, keep getting used in this offense? And two, with all the former quarterbacks that we have on our roster, like Trey Burton and stuff, when are we going to see somebody else throw that touchdown pass? All right, guys, thanks a lot for all you do. Bear down. Ryan, that's a great question. And to answer the first part, why does Taquan Mazel, a.k.a. Smoke, keep getting used in this offense? I have no idea. It just seems like when he's out there, Good things usually don't happen. He's usually getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. It's usually more so on those jet sweeps as opposed to just getting a traditional handoff. But I really don't see the use for him. Uh, we He's getting play, playing time over Benny Cunningham, which is a little strange. And we also see Mazzell is also the kick returner. 
He hasn't done much there, but I think late in that uh, Minnesota Vikings game, I thought we saw Tariq Cohen take over those responsibilities at kick returner. But to, to answer that first question, I don't know why he keeps getting used. Obviously, Matt Nagy sees something in him that he likes. Maybe he's doing something in practice because he wouldn't continue to keep getting these opportunities if he was messing up in practice, but he is getting those opportunities. Brandon, why do you think we still see Taquan Mazel, a.k.a. Smoke? Uh, I think it's because he's got like a history of being a receiving running back. Uh, and that's really about all I can come up with. I don't know why he's in there at the kick return. I think that he, Nagy kind of looks at that and goes, oh, teams may you know see him lined up in the slack. So I don't very rarely seen him lined up in the backfield. Uh, so you almost know it's going to be a sweep when Mazel is lined up as a receiver. Uh, and I think that they just have him out there as like a decoy or a pawn or some sort of strategic player out there that, you know, oh, this guy can catch the ball really well, but there's no tape really on him doing that. So I don't know that teams recognize that. So therefore I'm not entirely sure why he's out there on offense. Uh, but to, to add to the kick return thing, I, I think that was the hands team that was out there. And that's why Tariq Cohen had to go back. So Allen Robinson was out there on the field as well for that one that Tariq took back. So, I think that was just kind of a Chris Tabor thing, making sure that they didn't pull some sort of funky onside kick thing there. And Treek's obviously going to be the man back there. I would rather him be up closer where he's got better hands. He's going to be able to hold on to the ball. But regardless, I think that's the only reason that we've seen Cohen back there. I think we still see Mazel taking back kicks. I think it's kind of weird because uh, he's not doing any better or really any worse than Benny Cunningham was. And Benny Cunningham was a, a captain uh, for this game uh, against the the Vikings. So I don't have an answer to that question. And you know Long what? Story. Actually, uh, a good point to maybe bring up. Benny Cunningham made a pretty good play on that onside recovery. He went he and attacked the ball rather than it, you know, possibly hitting the ground. So maybe that's something the coaching staff sees. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Like, okay, look at that. That aggressiveness, taking that decisiveness to go get that ball. Maybe that translates to him being implemented on the offense. Who knows? But I think we should see more Benny Cunningham than Taquan Mazel because he, he didn't make the team in the first place for, for a reason, and now you're bringing him in here, and obviously it hasn't worked. But, Ryan, to answer the second part of your question about former QBs, and Brandon and I were talking about it, I think it's just Trey Burton that's on this roster. Other than Zach Miller, Zach, and obviously he's not part of the active roster, but to answer your question is when are we going to see somebody else throw a touchdown? That's a good question because obviously we saw that with, with uh, John Fox's offense, and maybe that's why it was as bad as it was. They were having other players who weren't <laughs> quarterbacks throw the ball, and get touchdowns. But there are you know players on this team that can do that. And Trey Burton, we all know about the Philly special. Uh, it was able to throw that touchdown in the Super Bowl to Nick Foles, and he's I think he would still be capable of it, but we have seen two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, Chase Daniel, Tr Mitch Trubisky, in that Tampa Bay game. That worked out pretty well. So I don't know when we're going to see somebody else throw a touchdown, and Tariq Cohen did that last year in John Fox's offense, but it's definitely a possibility. We saw Akeem Hicks on offense. It was Akeem Hicks and Roy Robertson-Harris on that uh, two-point conversion to Adam Shaheen, so I wouldn't ever limit 
anything, especially with Matt Nagy calling the plays. What about you, Brandon? Do you do you have a feeling that we'll see that, or is is there a certain player that you expected that to happen from? I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, let's not forget we've seen Tariq Cohen throw a touchdown pass last year as well, so there's another guy that could potentially throw one. Uh, but I think if I were to, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, uh, but if I was, I'd put my money on Chase Daniel being the first one to throw it because, like you said, we've seen the two quarterbacks back there in the backfield line up before, and I think that it would, I don't want to say make too much sense to do like a, a toss sweep play where it looks like Chase Daniel's going to run, but there's actually a guy out there in the flat, you know, behind the defense, so you can just dunk it over top of him. That would make sense to me. Uh, but we could also do the same thing with Tariq Cohen as well. But I like the two quarterbacks uh, in the backfield in the red zone. I think that's a prime recipe because they don't even know who's going to throw the ball. They don't know who's going to get the ball. Uh, so I think that's a, a prime chance for someone other than Trubisky, I guess, to answer the question in a different way uh, to throw a touchdown. Yeah, that would be interesting just to have another thing that defense have to worry about, another quarterback, you know, throwing touchdowns. Doesn't always have to be Mitch Trubisky, but we'll see what happens. Matt Nagy's a very creative uh, play caller, good head coach, and he's going to do whatever gives his team the advantage to win that week. So we'll go into our second voicemail of the night, and this is going to be a voicemail that has a bunch of them because there was a bunch of questions about Kevin White. I was surprised to even see in the the voicemail logs, Kevin White, Kevin White, Kevin White. So we're just going to play a bunch of them, and then we'll answer your question at the end. Here they are. Hey, Bears Bros. Jay here from Salt Lake. My question is actually about the man, the myth, and the legend himself, Kevin White. (laughs) Um, that's hard to say without laughing but anyways um, you know his last catch was that big catch that almost Hail Mary touchdown catch to tie it up against the Patriots and well after that he's been inactive the last three games and um, I guess I'm I guess my question is why do you think that like um, hey guys this is Brett from Michigan um, I was just wondering, what do you guys think about the whole Kevin White situation, him being inactive for three games, and what do you think their plan is with him? Well, to answer all of your questions, uh, Kevin White has been a healthy scratch, uh, which is not a good sign for him as far as his future with Chicago, because that means he's not doing something right in practice. And like we've said before, when we've got another Kevin White questions, in training camp, he was he just struggled to, to finish. That's something the coaches preached throughout training camp was finish the play, finish the play. And Kevin White would catch catch the ball deep and stop at the five-yard line. He wouldn't go all the way to the end zone. I think that really shows up and uh, leaves a, a negative mark on the coaching staff. So uh, I don't know if it's a mindset thing with him or if it's an effort thing. What I guess that's kind of the same thing. But regardless, uh, I, there's just something going on where I don't know if he's just too timid to go out there and be the aggressive player that we've seen at West Virginia. But he's a healthy scratch, which is not a good sign uh, for him here in Chicago. Yeah, healthy scratch. And I think a big thing with Kevin White is that he doesn't play special teams. That's the only thing that he provides to this team is offense. And at, you know, I think the the Z position, maybe not the Z, it, it would probably be the X. He, he'd probably fit that role most likely. And that's the only position he can really play. He's not that versatile guy like an Allen Robinson or even – the guy that's beating him out, Josh Bellamy, who can play multiple wide receiver positions and also is on special teams. So that's why you're seeing maybe that Kevin White's not in there, and that's why they prefer Josh Bellamy. And he had a couple of catches last night against the Minnesota Vikings. So I think that's a big thing because a lot when you think about a lot of these players 
on this this Bears team, they have that versatility. They can play multiple positions, especially on the offense. And you look at the wide receivers, especially. They can line up in the backfield, get jet sweeps, just line up in the slot, line up outside. Kevin White really can't do that. He's, he's more so, you know, you got to line him up on, on the outside and, you know, have him run whatever kind of route. But he has been healthy. And I know it's got to be disappointing for a lot of fans and, you know, even to us for to a certain extent to not see him out there because that's Ryan Pace's first ever draft pick. When when people ask the question, who did Ryan Pace draft first for the Chicago Bears when they're hopefully having, you know, success down the road? Well, it probably won't even matter, but it'll be Kevin White. Oh, wait, what did he do? Absolutely nothing, which is kind of sad to see. All All he has is that touchdown in the preseason. Don't know if he'll ever get that touchdown with the bears in the regular season but look he's a healthy scratch the bears prefer other people over him and that's really where i think this discussion just needs to kind of end well i'll counter that a little bit i don't think it ends quite yet um (laughs) it's weird because he's a good run blocker as a receiver he is when he was playing early he was setting some pretty good blocks on the edges for guys uh so it really makes me wonder like his lack of versatility really hurts him that much like you make a very good point uh, the fact that he can't play multiple positions ultimately hurts him in this offense. So I I find it really interesting that he's able to do these these uh, run blocking things. Uh, he's run a couple routes. He caught the hail mary like uh, we had the one caller ask. Uh, but after that, I mean, it's weird in a way. We kind of like to see him out there, but he's not like he's got the the, the athleticism, the build, the speed, the quickness. Uh, but I think just really his lack of, of versatility, like you said, is really what, what prohibits him from being on this offense on a consistent basis. Yeah, and I wonder if you don't have the the injuries happen. If you know, Obviously, I think things would be different. There'd be a confidence that he's playing with. He'd, he'd be producing more, and you, you would just need to have him on the field because, like you said, he's just a physical specimen. He can go up, he's he get up, uh, jump balls, and all that kind of stuff, but just as it happened, and... Maybe he's blocking because, he, like we said, he maybe can't do the other things. So there's a lot that goes into it. But So it, it, one last hypothetical then, and then I guess we can wrap this one up, <laughs> as long as I didn't cut you off. But uh, if he scores on that Hail Mary, do you think that he gets more playing time? Man, I would, I would, think, I would think so, just because yeah. uh, you didn't have Allen Robinson in that game, right? And right. then you, you get the, you'd most likely go into overtime. Maybe Kevin White's just feeling it. Feed Kevin White the ball because he caught a, a pass, I think, earlier uh, earlier in that game as well, a curl route, uh, went for a first down. So maybe that changed the whole dynamic. But what would that? What it could have been a yard short that maybe things could have changed for Kevin White. That would be crazy to think, but we don't know. It's hypotheticals, and that's just that's what Kevin White's career has been. Hypotheticals. What could have been if he didn't get injured? If this you know, this didn't break, if this didn't go that way. And it's unfortunate because he seems like a good guy and it just didn't work out for the bears in his NFL career so far. There's still hope, but I don't think it's with the bears. It sounds so like I, a good topic for Will Ingalls. What if Wednesdays? I think so. They will have to let him know. Hopefully he listens to the audio mailbag and then he'll have an idea for the, for the next article. So that's going to wrap it up for our audio questions. But the show isn't over. It's far from it, Brandon, because we wanted to, on this short week, get a bunch of Twitter questions. And a lot of people were just submitting their questions on, on the thread, on the, the tweet that we sent out earlier today. So we're just going to go ahead and get started with these. And the first question comes from at that guy 
like, I, I guess that's how you pronounce it. There's no I, but that guy like. Is it Maybe possible? Like. Maybe it is like. Maybe that's an I. Maybe I can't read. That's a possibility <laughs> as, as well. So that guy Ike, that guy like, this is your question. Is it possible the Bears upset the Rams? He certainly thinks so. I believe an elite defense can shut down an elite offense nine times out of ten. What's our take? And, Brandon, it just so happens that the Rams are playing tonight against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is – if you are you – if you're doing something – Change your plans and watch that game <laughs> because that is going to be high scoring. It's the number two and number three team in points per game. Only the New Orleans Saints score more. I, mean, I was surprised to see that. New Orleans is scoring 37.8 points per game. That yeah, is ridiculous. Really freaking good. Yeah. And the Kansas City Chiefs are at 35.3. Uh, Rams are at 33.5. So there's going to be a lot of offense. But to get back to your question, I, I'm gonna obviously you can tell I'm gonna watch the Monday night game. Um, <laughs> is it possible the Bears can upset the Rams? Absolutely. Why wouldn't they be able to do that? The Bears have been playing some good football, and unlike those three teams that I just mentioned, the Bears have a defense, and they have a top three defense. Those teams don't have that. They have some playmakers on you know the defense here and there. But they don't have a Khalil Mack. They don't have a, an Akeem Hicks. They don't have the number two leading interception uh, guy in Kyle Fuller or a Bryce Callahan and Eddie Jackson. They're playmakers all over this defense. And that's what's going to come down to whether or not the Bears can really – you can't stop them. I don't think you can stop the Rams. But you got to be able to limit what they can do. Take away something. Obviously, they have Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and you know the, the receivers and Sean McVay. But I think that you're going to be in Soldier Field on their turf Sunday night. The Bears are going to come out to play. Best believe that. So I definitely believe it's possible. It's going to be a tough task. The offense obviously needs to be able to keep up with the Rams, and that's no no easy task. But it's going to be up to that Bears defense to see how they can at least take away something from from that offense. And Sean McVay, uh, you know, and Matt Nagy going at it. That's that's going to be so much fun. I'm hyped up just thinking about it. What, what about you, Brandon? What are you thinking about? Can the Bears upset the Rams? So kind of uh, a flashback here. I was on the Rams Talk podcast at the beginning of the season. Uh, we were kind of going over schedule breakdowns. It was kind of like an around the NFL thing. And they were concerned about the Bears at this point in the year being a trap game. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be good, but, you know, the record's not quite going to be there, but it's one that the Rams are going to go out there and they're going to kind of low sleep. Well, now it gets flexed to a primetime game, so I don't think it's no longer considered a trap game. Uh, so I think they're going to be in for some uh, a little bit of a rougher ride than I think they're anticipating with this one. So, yeah, I definitely think it's possible, especially if Cooper Cup is still out by that point. Uh, it, I like the, like you said, the Sean McVay, um, Matt Nagy. Uh, coaching duo there. That's going to be a fun chess match to watch, you know. Uh, and there's just playmakers on all sides of the ball for both teams. It's going to be real interesting to see who ends up on top in that one. Uh, and yeah, I, there's definitely a chance. And I agree with your your statement there. That nine out of ten times, uh, defense is going to win because uh, defense wins championships. So I I like our I like the Bears' chances a little bit more in that one, obviously, because we have a much better defense. Uh, so I definitely wouldn't rule it out. I would believe that they can beat the Rams. And you know what? This game tonight that's happening between the Chiefs and Rams, obviously the Rams are 9-1. They're going to win their division easily. The Bears are 7-3 and right now. You never know what's going to happen. They lose this one. They go at 9-2. and The Bears beat Detroit on Thursday. They're 8-3. and 
They, you know, they're going to be fighting for that bye if the Bears keep up what they're doing. So, absolutely, going into that Sunday night matchup, you know the Bears are going to want to show up and beat this opponent that everyone's claiming is going to be in, you know, the NFC Championship game and playing whoever else is next. But, yeah, it's going to be a great game. I'm so glad it got flexed this Sunday night. We, I think it was on the last audio mailbag where I told you that it got flexed, and you were like, what? I think that's yes. right. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. That is that's awesome. I I cannot wait for that game, and that'll be coming up shortly. I just so, want to add too, looking at the the Rams schedule before we move on to the next one. They play mm-hmm. Kansas City tonight. They have a bye for Week 12. Then they're at Detroit Week 13. Then at Chicago, so they have two road games back to back at Detroit and at Chicago. So these guys may end up having some some jet lag as well. So just another thing to play in the Bears' favor. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I mean. Uh, you know, momentum could be riding or it could it could not. So, I mean, this this game against the Chiefs, it's a big one. And it, it could decide who, who ends up with that number one seed in the, the NFC, which is crazy that we can even be talking about that. It could be, you know, logical with the Bears being in contention for that. But it's very exciting. We'll go into our second question of the night, uh, second Twitter question, at from at Super Hippo MWR. And... Super Hippo MWRS. Out of all the offseason moves, signings, acquisitions, which move do you think has the most impact? Mac is obviously number one, but what about Burton, Gabriel, drafting Anthony Miller? Brandon, if you were to answer that question, out of all the offseason moves, who would you say is the number one outside of Khalil Mack? I'm kind of disappointed that the obvious one got taken already. I'm joking. Uh, I'm looking at the wide receiver position, and I think Taylor Gabriel is a very good pick here just because we've seen what he did uh, against Minnesota. He had seven receptions on nine targets. And aside from the Detroit game, it seems like he's always able to make tough catches. He's able to have a big catch rate despite his small frame. He's able to beat defenders down the field, as we've seen in Miami. Him and Trubisky were hooking up, it seemed like, most of the afternoon for that game, which was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and really, he's just a big, big improvement from what the receiving core was last year by himself. So I think it, you know, you I could have said Allen Robinson, I could have said Anthony Miller, because uh, all those guys are, I think, just about equally the same. But Taylor Gabriel, I think, does so much more for a quarterback because this passer rating statistically goes up when he's targeting Taylor Gabriel. Just historically, it's been that way when they target Taylor Gabriel. So I think him in the receiving game. Uh, plays very, very, very big dividends. And the fact that they could also use them on jet sweeps, things of that nature. We've seen it how they used it to establish the run out the middle on Sunday night against the Vikings. So he's just used in a variety of ways, in ways that uh, I think he might have gotten forgotten about, I guess, in Atlanta if he were to stay there because where he's only going to be a slot guy, only a guy that goes deep. Nagy's figured out a way to really utilize him in a bunch of different ways uh, that teams have to be able to respect. So I think Taylor Gabriel is the biggest one. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, choice there. I'm actually going to go on the other side of the ball, and I say, I'm going to say that the re-signing of Kyle Fuller was one of the bigger offseason moves for the Bears. Obviously, he signs that four-year, $56 million contract, keeps Kyle Fuller away from the Green Bay Packers. So that's one reason why it's a really good offseason move. The Packers didn't get better because Kyle Fuller remained in Chicago. But since he's been re-signed, he's been playing lights out. 34 combined tackles, four interceptions, which is tied for second in the league. And I didn't know this stat. He has 13 passes defended, which is tied for first right now in the NFL. And, you know, 
Kyle Fuller's a guy that contests a lot of passes, and we saw that last night against the Minnesota Vikings and when he's guarding Diggs or Thielen, whoever it may be. Fuller's going to fight for every single play. And I mentioned this on the postgame show yesterday. There was a play where Kyle Fuller gets beat on the double move by Stephon Diggs. Gets beat bad, but he's lucky that Kirk Cousins throws the ball out of bounds. It's too too high. Nothing happens from it. He He gets away lucky for that one. But then Diggs later, I think it's in the fourth quarter at this point, comes back with the same double move, but Kyle Fuller learned in-game like what the move was, is able to rebound and disrupt the pass, and he looks at Diggs and is kind of smiling, and they're smiling at each other. It's good sportsmanship, but that's what you want to see from Kyle Fuller. That's your number one corner. That's the guy who's making the big bucks. That's why he came back to Chicago, and now he's playing, like I said, Lights out. I think that's a huge move for the Bears because you don't have him. Who knows what what direction the Bears would have gone if they go to the draft or what whatever it may have been. But I think the defense is a lot better because you have a guy like Kyle Fuller. And it's good to see that he was able to rebound from just how uh, a couple years ago, you know, he didn't he doesn't play one year or he has a down year. It's just it was his rookie year where he got all the interceptions. No, Kyle Fuller can play, and he's proven it right now, and he's a focal point in this defense, and is the reason why it's a top three unit in the NFL right now. So I have to go with that. I know um, you mentioned in your question, obviously obviously Mac, but Burton, uh, Brandon just talked about Gabriel. Anthony Miller is also a key guy that we could have talked about, but I think the two guys we mentioned are definitely deserving of the most impact for the offense and defense for offseason moves. All right, we are going to go into our third Twitter question of the night, and it comes from Dat Tryhard. Dat Tryhard, here's your question. Do you think the Bears will resign Adrian Amos or Callahan? Okay, Brian is Dat Tryhard, is going with Callahan, also thinks Eddie Jackson will be resigned, so he would prefer Jackson over Amos. And I have to agree with you. I think that if you're going to keep either Adrian Amos Amos, Amos, I keep saying it wrong. It's Amos, Adrian Amos, or Bryce Callahan. I'm going to go with Callahan. Look, Adrian Amos is a good safety. He had the interception yesterday. He did. Uh, Credit to the pressure that was brought by Leonard Floyd, disrupted that pass, and uh, the ball goes right into Amos' hands. But Bryce Callahan has been playing phenomenal all season. Uh, Whatever receivers in the slot, it doesn't matter. You know Bryce Callahan's going to be connected at the hip to that guy. It just so happened that a lot of plays uh, last night against the Vikings was Adam Thielen. He didn't have his first catch until, I think, late in the second quarter. And he, you know, didn't have a touchdown. I think it was around 70 yards, 67 yards or whatever it was. That's the kind of player that Bryce Callahan, Bryce Callahan is. He's able to just mitigate what good receivers can do. And you Everyone knows that he comes off the edge with the nickel blitzes, and that's great as well. So Adrian Amos, good player, but I have to go with Bryce Callahan on this one. And also, like you said, Ajax is going to get paid because he's one of the better safeties in the league. He has that he, He's able to score, and he's really good at it. So if I had to pick between those two, I have to go with Callahan. What's your take, Brandon? Adrian Amos, that's your guy, or Bryce Callahan? It is my guy, and this one's very tough because I like I like Bryce as well. Uh, but statistically, when you look at Adrian Amos, he's on pace to have more tackles this year than he has in his career so far. He's got 44 tackles through 10 games. The highest that he's had is 69 when he played 13 games last season. Uh, on top of the two interceptions that he's got this year, he's got a sack this year as well. Uh, 
But I think, honestly, Adrian Amos's play is getting overshadowed by how well the rest of the secondary is playing. Because uh, outside of the Miami game where Amos was missing a handful of tackles here and there, you don't hardly hear his name, and he plays pretty stoutly. Uh, so I would say just to keep the top uh, safety duo alive on the same team, I'm going to go with Amos because, like I said, he's being overlooked, I think. He's playing very, very well this year. He doesn't have the, the flashy plays, the the big stat lines. You know, he's not out there making the splash plays. That's Eddie Jackson. That's what Eddie Jackson does. But Adrian Amos is playing fundamentally sound, plays very good run support, and I think that with him and Eddie Jackson back there, there's no offense that's going to be able to throw over the top of these guys. So I'm going to say Amos as much as I would love to keep Bryce Callahan around. If I have to pick one, I think both these guys should be able to stay if they kind of like, hey, I'll take less money. If you take less money, we can all stay. We can try and win some things here. You know, I think that would be a lot of fun if they were able to do that. Uh, so if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick my guy. I'm going to pick Adrian Amos. But Bryce Callahan is definitely deserving for the reasons that you said as well. And I know, I just know, Brandon, when this goes up on YouTube and people are able to comment and stuff, people are going to go oh, yeah. crazy whether, no, it's Bryce Callahan, no, it's Adrian Amos, and it's going to and it's gonna happen. But maybe it won't because it's a short week and people are going to forget about this and just go right <laughs> to the preview show and right to the post-game podcast on Thursday. But interesting. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be a question Ryan Pace is going to have to address at the end of this season. Uh, they're both going to want to get paid. And he's got to make, you know, make the decision on that. And, yeah, it'll be interesting how it plays out because, honestly, you'd want both guys to come back because you see how the defense as a whole is playing. It plays a lot better right. with these two guys in there. But when you have so many playmakers on, you know, on a team, it's kind of hard to keep the foundation uh, always set. You're always going to lose players here and there. It's about rebuilding and drafting the right guys to replace those guys. But it'll be interesting, and I'm glad. You know what? We still have uh, ways away before they. Even, we have to even think about that. They're still on the team so now. Not. Yeah, let's not. They're they're on the team now and making making a good impact for for the Bears defense. And we'll go into our last Twitter question of the night, and it comes from at Kenny S twenty seven, and he basically asked, "Do you think the Bears will solve the fourth quarter woes this season? What do you think the root of this problem is?" And that's a fascinating question because at times the Bears can dominate close to three quarters of football, or and then it's that fourth quarter, whether it's offensively, defensively, something is not clicking, something's not going right, something's not working like it did in the first three quarters of the first uh, first half. But Brandon, do you have an idea as to what what is actually going on in in that fourth quarter for the Bears? Well, to answer the. The first question, I think they'll solve their woes this season. I think they're going to have to if they want to be able to compete deep in the playoffs. If they want to play late January, I think they're going to have to because they play against teams like the Saints. Uh, the Saints aren't going to wait for the Bears to put up points in the fourth quarter. Uh, or even the Rams, even that, that would be a very good benchmark to see where this offense is going to be at in a couple weeks against that defense, against an offense that also scores. They're going to have to be able to keep pace somehow. Uh, but I think the root of the problem really lies in the play calling. I think that Matt Nagy likes to be creative and he likes to be cute, especially early in the first half, because you can do that to establish different things, set different things up. Uh, but I think he just continues it too long. I think there were uh, there were definitely times in the game on Sunday night where I was just kind of waiting for him to, <clears throat> excuse me, to hand the ball off to Jordan Howard right up the middle just to get two, three, four yards on first or second down whenever they needed it. And that wasn't always the case. It was Trubisky throwing incomplete passes. Uh, they weren't really keeping Minnesota's defense on their toes. They were sending more pressure. 
They weren't really doing a whole lot to combat that pressure. I think that it's just kind of come down to the play calling. Matt Nagy realizing that he's established certain things in the game, and you don't stray away from it. We've seen Jordan Howard pick up, I think he had almost 50 yards by halftime, and he only finished with 63, so they strayed away from that run game. He was on pace to have a, a pretty good game again, and they just couldn't keep handing in the ball for whatever reason. <clears throat> Excuse me again. So I think that if once he establishes something and he sees it works, uh, don't be scared to keep going back to it because then that's when you can draw teams uh, to really play into the run or play into the deep pass, whatever he's got established early in the game, and you can kind of counter that later in the game and still be able to put up points. So I think it does kind of come down to scheming and play calling a little bit, uh, but I'm not there on the field playing or in the coach's headset to know what exactly is going on. Uh, so I think really it's just sticking to the game plan that he's got established in the first half. Play that aggressiveness again in the in the second half. Play it like it's 0-0 coming out of halftime. Yeah, and Brandon, you talked about the offense, so I guess I'll talk about the defense. And at times, we've seen a lot of points, a lot of yardage, and you could say it's garbage time, but that that wasn't the case in you know against Green Bay or you know against the Miami Dolphins, the the Patriots. They're able to move the ball effectively, and even the common denominator for all those games, and even last night against the Vikings, that hurry up tempo, that quick passing game, yep. short routes. I mean. That's it, it takes away the Bears' biggest weapon on defense, and that's their pass rush. That's what it does because those guys, as good as they are, Akeem Hicks, Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd, all those guys, they can't get there when the ball is coming out in, in less than two seconds. So that's the thing that the Bears' defensive expansion, we've talked about this on multiple podcasts where we see it happen, and it's happened you know, a lot now. It just so happens that the Bears have put up good enough leads to where that doesn't come back to ultimately hurt them with a loss. But that's really where this defense needs to improve. Obviously, we we talked about they're a top five, top three unit. But they, as good as they've been, they still can work better on closing the game. I know I, I talked about closing the game offensively in an article I wrote earlier last week. But you could still do that defensively without you know, opponents scoring these these garbage touchdowns, these garbage yards, just shut them down. Shut them down, then you don't have to worry about that. But it all starts with trying to figure out the best way to counter the quick passing game. Because we've seen it all season long. And for a team like the Rams, like you said, Brandon, if the Bears cannot keep up their scoring for, you know, an entire game, guess what? They're, the Bears are not going to have that that leeway of having that lead and then their defense giving up these points, they're just going to get blown out, which I don't think it's going to be the, the case when they actually play. But that's why they need to learn how to, to solve that because they're going to go, they're going to find a team that's just going to do that all game. I just don't get why teams haven't done that from the very beginning because that's worked in the third and fourth quarters of the games, but they're already too late. They're too far behind because the Bears already put a lead on them and then they resort to that. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Reid, if the Bears were to play the Chiefs, all right, we see what they can't guard. We're going to go hurry up fast, quick quick passes. Why not? That's what the Bears can't guard right now, so that's what we'll use to beat them. But that, that's something that I think um, needs to be fixed. And I know your question is, oh, can they solve them? I think they can. It's going to take time. Um, I think especially for the offensive side of the ball because that is a unit that's now together – only their first year, but this defense, it's been here a while now. There's a Khalil Mack's a new guy. He's he's a new guy, and you have some rookies in you know free agent acquisitions, but he's a new guy in there, and you expect that end to really you know solve that problem before before the offense does. Um, but yeah, Brandon, 
that was week 12 of the audio mailbag podcast and we got through it. We had some really good questions. Uh, hopefully, and I'm kidding about this, but Kevin White, hopefully, you know, that's behind us, <laughs> you know, well, maybe he play. He, you know what? He could play on uh Thursday. You never know with, uh, Adam Shaheen no. being maybe out. They may need to bring in another wide receiver. You never know, but I think we'll, we'll put the, the Kevin White, uh, talk to rest are you, are you good with that or should we keep on talking i'm definitely good with putting kevin white to rest uh same here same here so this is obviously a short week um and tomorrow we're going to be doing the preview podcast Woo-hoo. and of course brandon and i have done all of our homework and since you know sunday's victory of the vikings and we are you know, very happy and very pleased to be talking about this this preview <laughs> that we're definitely prepared for. As you can tell, we're definitely prepared. Uh, but before that, um, we obviously are going to have more audio mailbag podcasts in the future. And we've talked about it countless times. We're going to keep harping this so we can keep getting questions and keep doing this. The Bears are undefeated when we do audio mailbag podcasts. So to get your question heard on the next audio mailbag podcast, all you have to do is leave a voicemail at 872-240-4007. And that number is 872-240-4007. Leave, leave your question, leave your name, where you're from. We'll shout you out on the podcast and you'll get your voice heard. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. <laughs> Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.